Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning. Y'all look beautiful today. Those were some awesome songs Jamie and the worship team led us in. It's made, made me think of so many testimonies I've heard this last week uh, that's really the goodness of God in the midst of chaos all over the world. Amen. The firm foundation of Jesus Christ stands. Amen? I heard the other day, I was reading an article about the church in Turkey in the midst of over 35,000 people being killed in those earthquakes. The church has risen up. They are going strong. They're loving, using it as an opportunity to spread the good news of Jesus and help people. I heard the other day in Israel, listen to this, in the upper room. Some of y'all might have read this. Praise and worship broke out a couple of weeks ago and has literally been going around the clock until this week when they came in and they kicked all the worshipers out and they said, uh, this place is no longer suitable uh, for worship. So they took their worship outside of the temple and uh, continued to worship God. There, there is a presence of God happening all over the world. I mean, in the midst of chaos and craziness, God is showing himself mighty, and I am thankful to be a part of his church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I bless you today. I thank you for the joy of bringing the preached word. Your word, Father, produces life. And so today, I pray that as I share these thoughts, these scriptures, this word that you placed in my heart, that we will be encouraged, build up, strengthened. For the work of the ministry in which we are called. I pray, Father, that if there's any spirit of discouragement or hopelessness in this place, that that spirit will be broken today over people's lives. And even as we sung these powerful songs of worship, Father, that you are our firm foundation. And by faith, Lord, we live out our lives, we walk out our lives, and we do not feel sorry for ourselves when we go through battles. Help us to be a part of the church that is alive and powerful and mighty throughout the world today. I pray over the people of the Rock of Gainesville, those that are here this morning, those that are off celebrating spring break and enjoying some time away. Father, we just declare your blessing to be upon all of us as we hear the word and allow that word to work in us. We give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Philippians chapter 1, a few verses here. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now pause there a minute and say that Paul's letter to the church at Philippi was a letter of encouragement, a letter of exhortation, a letter of thanksgiving. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and he was thanking them for their steadfastness, for their faithfulness, for their ability to stand in faith uh, in the middle of battles and struggles, and thanking them for the way they were serving him uh, throughout his ministry in that region. He went on to exhort them and encourage them and challenge them. But I, I was thinking about our house, my house, God's house, the Rock of Gainesville. 
And I was thinking about the seasons of life that we've all gone through. And this, this week, Suzanne was reminding me the other day. This week in our house, we, in the last eight days, we've gone through a full circle of life. A week ago, uh, doctors uh, Matt and Erica Cassio gave birth to their third child, a beautiful little boy. And uh, they are now, uh, I told them, at least in my judgment, uh, they got a full quiver, two girls and a boy. And, uh, but uh, I'll leave that to them whether their quiver is full or not. But thankful for babies being born. And, you know, it wasn't long ago we were believing God with Matt and Erica to have their first child. They were, they were struggling with being able to get pregnant and, and actually lost a baby. And so, you know, all of a sudden, just like that, I told Erica the other day, bam, bam, bam. We got two girls and a boy, they're healthy, and uh, I rejoice with them. A day later, you know, we lost uh, one of our young men, Robert, um, and uh, Steve. Maybe, maybe it's Steve and Robert Brooks, I don't know, but Steve. And uh, I thought a lot about Steve this week. And as we had a viewing for him on Wednesday and then a celebration of his life on Thursday and thanking God for faithful men, you know. And as I said at the service the other day, it's not the answer I wanted, but I still trust God. Amen. Amen? Steve's in the presence of Jesus today and, and we rejoice over that, but we mourn as believers. We mourn, we sorrow, we hurt. And... Uh, and then on uh, Thursday or Friday, we had a wedding rehearsal. And then yesterday morning, uh, I had the privilege of marrying our precious Miss Alice Randall to Mr. Benny Miller. And it was, for those of you that couldn't be here, it was, it was a sweet, sweet wedding. The oldest couple I've ever married. Benny's 84. Wow. I was like, Benny, you sure you want to do this? <laughs> Miss Alice, I said, are you sure you want to do this? They wanted to do it. And, and, and old Benny, he cried through the whole service, tender as could be. I didn't even know if we'd be able to get through the vows, but he got through them. This morning at the end of the service, we're going to dedicate another one of our precious babies. In life, we go through these full cycles. I was thinking of, about mine and Suzanne's life a few years ago, as most of you know. We had a lot of death in our family. I buried eight family members over a period of just a couple of years. But in the midst of people that I love dearly, God began to give us grandbabies. Seemed like every time I would lose a sibling or a parent, another grandbaby would come along. I'm thankful that the deaths in my family have stopped for a season. And I'm thankful that the baby stage has stopped. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to great grandchildren. Come on, somebody. Mr. Benny that got married yesterday, uh, he has two great grandchildren. Come on, that's a lot of generations. That's five generations or four. Four generations. Well, they told me he had a great, great grandchild, but I started going down the line and I couldn't, I couldn't find the fifth generation. So I just said great grandkids, but that's a lot. My dad and mom had seven kids together. 
and I'll leave it at that. And, uh, and then they had 17 grandchildren. They have 45 great-grandchildren. And right before my dad passed, he had his first great-great-grandchild. That's a lot of generations. That's a lot of uh, revolving. But, you know, that's what we're commanded to do is procreate and, and fill the earth with righteous children. Yeah. Amen? And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So back to Paul's writing. Thanking God in all his remembrance. Always in every prayer, he said, of mine for you all making prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe the Lord's going to bring you into completion on what he's called you to do? Whether you woke up full of faith this morning or not. If you trust Jesus, even when you don't understand circumstances and, and events that are going on in your life or around you, it does not hinder the work of Christ. Doesn't hinder I'm reading a novel right now about the life of Esther, and you know that there's that famous uh, scripture where Esther's cousin Mordecai, who had raised uh, Esther, him and Miriam, that uh, in the process of uh, the enemy trying to wipe out the children of Israel, Mordecai sends word to his young cousin, who is now married to the king, and says, uh, you need to go before the king. You need to go on behalf of our people. And, and she sends message back, you know, whoa, I go before the king and he doesn't hold out his scepter. I'm dead right there on the spot, man. One of those warriors is going to cut me down. And Mordecai says to her, what? You don't know, but that the Lord placed you here. For such a time as this. That there's a reason. It's not just because you're beautiful that you ended up the king's queen. God had a bigger plan. A bigger plan. And I am thankful that even when we go through seasons where things are difficult, we can come to that place where we recognize the Lord's hand is on us. And who knows but such a time as this, that my life is here. Your life is here. Your children's life is here. Because God has something he wants to accomplish in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. In a couple of weeks, we're going to send uh, 14 men from our church down to Honduras uh, to Pastor Jimmy and Jessica's ministry in, uh, outside of Tegucigalpa. And uh, they're going to be uh, re-roofing uh, Jimmy's house. Every time it rains, they have 30 buckets all over their house uh, where the rain just pours in. And, and so uh, Gabe went down a few weeks ago with his son, and they worked out all the details. And uh, so they're going down, and there's also uh, four young men that are uh, Honduran, I believe all of them are, that work here in Gainesville for a subcontractor who Andrew and Gabe hired to do the framing of their uh, homes that they built. This man's name is Hector. When Hector found out what Gabe and Andrew were going to be doing, he kept telling them he wanted to do something. 
And so, lo and behold, a few weeks ago, he finally calls up Andrew and says, I need you and Gabe to come over here and uh, meet with me. And so Andrew says, well, I'll come over. And, and Hector goes, no, I need you and Gabe to come together. I want to share what I want to do. And so they went over, had a meeting with this guy. And this subcontractor here in Gainesville, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he was so excited about what they're doing. He, he's sending four of his roofers or, or uh, builders here down to Honduras at his expense, paying for their whole way and they're going to be teaming with our team of 14 guys. And so uh, we're, they're gonna, our guys are going to learn some Spanish and their guys are going to learn some English. But uh, so there's going to be a team of 18 of them re-roofing Jimmy's home and then the girls' home. Today is uh, missions offering Sunday for us. And I want to ask you to encourage you to pray or consider or don't even pray. Just get out your checkbook and uh, <laughs> listen to this. We're going to be able to re-roof two complete homes for about ten to twelve thousand dollars. Look, we just re-roofed our house; it was fifty-six thousand dollars. I was like, I want their job <laughs> here in Gainesville. But uh, so about $12,000. So today when we receive the missions offering, I want to encourage you to give something towards that. You can earmark it, um, Honduras. And uh, we're, we're just believing that uh, everything that we have need of, these guys are all taken off work. They don't get paid when they don't work. So uh, if you want to be a part of that this morning, uh, it's uh, our joy to get to be able to step out in faith. You can't go, but you can give and you can pray. Amen? So as much as it's important to give, uh, some of you, I encourage, challenge you on the week they're down there to please be in prayer. We're believing God for uh, safety over them. Nobody falls off any roofs or any of that stuff. And so we're excited about that. Also, uh, one of the men that um, his wife actually um, works with Andrew and Gabe in the interior design portion. Uh, a doctor here in town decided he wanted to go. So when Gabe told me that Dr. Uh, Rose was going, Dr. Rose is the one who did my uh, hiatal hernia repair surgery a while back. So I was like, hold it. Dr. Rose, like the surgeon, Dr. Rose? And they said, yeah. I said, Gabe, that man makes his living with his hands. He said, oh, no, we're going to keep him on the ground. <laughs> No climbing ladders for Dr. Rose, but I am thankful for uh, people that are catching hold of a vision uh, for something bigger than ourselves. Why? Because uh, we live in a great season where to whom much has been given. Say it for yourself. The rest of you say it for yourself. Some of you say, well, I don't think I got that much. Oh, yeah. You have much, and to whom much is given, much is required. So we are faithfully stepping out, whether it's here in Gainesville or around the world, using the opportunities that God gives us to touch lives and to make an impact. Amen? So I titled this word today, and I, you'll understand a little bit of it uh, in a moment, Why Not? Suzanne and I have heard this statement a couple of times over the last two years, and uh, I'll tell you a little of the story as I share my health journey, because I am tired of being rebuked. 
all week. You people are amazing how much you love me and rebuke me at the same time. Pastor, I can't believe you did that last week. You didn't tell me. Well, I'm going to share it now. So I forgive all you rebukers. Thank you. So anyhow, uh, Suzanne and I, as you know, went out to Little Rock last week. And uh, uh, 2021, we spent 89 nights in Little Rock um, going through treatment, preparation for uh, my second transplant. And uh, as most of you know, Dr. Udis and Tessa Fontenot, who were a part of our church many years ago, um, live there and they've opened their home. It's become our second home out there. And they're precious. They pick us up at the airport. They give us a vehicle for the week and, and they feed us uh, like kings. And uh, we just have so been uh, appreciative. I told Tessa I was sorry because right before I went out the first time in February of 2021, uh, they were transferring UDs up to northern Arkansas. They actually sold their house and had it halfway packed up when everything fell apart and UDs came home one day and told Tessa, we have to unsell our house because we're not going. And, uh, and it was just a, a short time later that I ended up uh, calling UDs at the hospital after Suzanne told me that he was there and uh, he came to the hospital, picked me up. We hadn't seen them in years and years and years. And yet the minute he got out of his truck and, and embraced me and hugged me, uh, it was like it had, we had just been together yesterday. And so now, over these last two years, they are, they are such a blessing to us, and most of the time they're watching online, so Udice, Tessa, we love you, and uh, I am grateful for their friendship, because they are people of faith, and they pray over us uh, every morning before we go, and, and uh, so it's been awesome. As you know, we went out um, to get testing, and uh, just a quick uh, little story before we got there a couple of months ago, uh, I got denied insurance for um, the one of the two chemos that I take. Uh, that chemo uh, was $9,500 every 21 days. And uh, the copay on that drug, it's a little over $22,000. And, but my copay was 9,500. Uh, obviously, uh, I could not pay that. And so uh, we were on the phone back and forth with the doctors here, the doctors there. And uh, Dr. Badia had just done my M-spike check and uh, it had dropped at that time, I think down to 0 0.16. And uh, so uh, Dr. Zangari, when he got the word that it had dropped, he sent word to me through his uh, PA uh, to just uh, not worry about it until I got out there last week. And then after all the testing, they would determine, um, you know, if they need to find a way to get me back on it or put me on something else. The thing I was not wanting was the alternative was to take that medicine, but have to go in with uh, John Cologne Jr. every week and get uh, an, an infusion for about five hours. And I was like, no, no, that's going backwards. I am not doing that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, we determined that we would hear their counsel and see what happened. So we went out, went through all the testing, and uh, there was one negative report. Um, on the testing that I got the very first day, um, I had to go do a bone density test, and uh, 
the girl asked me how tall I was, and so I said, I'm five nine three quarters, proud of that three quarters, because I used to be five ten. So she measured me and got me in on the table and set me on the table, and then uh, it was in meters, so she had to uh, calculate it. So she said, uh, how, how tall did you say you were? I said, oh, I'm five nine three quarters. Make sure you get that three quarters in there. She said, she said I hate to tell you this, but you're actually five eight and three quarters. Now, when you're already short, the last report you want to get is that you're shrinking. My dad was 6'1 when I was a kid. When he passed away, he was about 5'4". I was like, Lord, I don't want to be 5'4". <laughs> I want to be above 5'4". So that was the negative report, and we laughed, and then I stretched myself. He said, I said, can we measure myself again? She said, no, no, it was accurate. I said, no, I don't think it was accurate. So anyhow, we've got through all of our testing, and then last Wednesday, we went and met with Dr. Zangari, and uh, He's a, I've told you this before, but he's a short little, he's not 5'8 for certain. Uh, he's a little Italian man, and uh, we had never seen his face because for the two years we've been going out there, he's all masked up. But uh, while we were in there and he was going through all of my test results, he got very excited about it. And, um, and then he said, now, when did you first come? And so he went back all the way to February the 1st, 2021, and started going through all of my charts and all of my numbers. And he kept going, wow, that's exciting. That's good. And as he got through the whole process, he finally looked up and he looked over at Suzanne and he smiled and he said, it's time for multiple myeloma to go bye-bye. Suzanne started laughing at first, and then she cried, and we were sitting there just listening to him, and he said it um, on two different occasions, it's time for multiple myeloma to go bye-bye, and I'm like, I, I agree that, and I was thinking this morning as I was just giving thought to this journey of three and a half years, that the one thing that happened when we went to Little Rock was a spirit of faith infused I believe in our hearts through the doctors, the nurses, the technicians, almost everybody we came in contact with in Little Rock, different than here. And I'm not saying I, I, I love the I love my doctor here, Dr. Badia. We have become friends. He is a precious guy. We have great conversation. I was actually with him this week, um, going through all the report from. Uh, Little Rock, and, and uh, I told him much of this story, and we were laughing. And, uh, but the difference between here, and if you, I've had several of you come to me and say, oh, Pastor, you know, when you first got diagnosed, I'd never heard it, so I went and Googled it, and oh my gosh, I lost all my faith, and I'm thinking my pastor's going to die. And, and because if you Google multiple myeloma, it doesn't give you a lot of hope. And Dr. Zangari looks at Suzanne and looks at me, and he stands up, and he said, uh, you know, he pulls his mask off. And we're like, oh, that's what our doctor looks like. <laughs> Pulled his mask completely off, and he stands up, and he says, you know, between Dr. Fritz, who's a specialist, and Dr. Zangari, who um, is a specialist, he said, between the two of us, he said, we have 500 patients, and, and all they do is multiple myeloma." Okay, so this is not 500 of every, it's 500 multiple myeloma. He says, between the two of us, we have 500 multiple myeloma patients who have now lived more than 25 years. I'm like, 
That, Google says you got about a year to three. Exactly. And to be honest, even here, every time for the first year, I went in for treatment, which was every week um, back then. Um, you know, they would remind me that they couldn't cure me. And you've heard this part of the story. And I'd tell them, I don't need you to cure me. Just do your best. And, it, you know, a year and a few months into it, my precious doctor here, Dr. Badia, was the one who really challenged me, encouraged me to go see a specialist. And that's how we ended up in Little Rock. And uh, from the day that I first went out there, the first time I met Dr. Zangari, he went through all my charts, and then he said, we're going to get you well. He didn't say, I'm going to cure you. He said, we're going to get you well. And it was the first infusion of faith from the medical side that had been spoken into mine and Suzanne's life. And I'm telling you, if you're ever around negative, critical people, and you know how it drains you, and then you get around somebody that really knows Jesus and lives like they know Jesus, there's a big difference, isn't there? Man, there, there's infusion of faith, of hope, of, of joy, of peace. And, and when Dr. Zangari said that to me two years ago, it sparked a faith that got on top of my faith already, which is what I was trusting and believing God for. But all along, you've heard me say, I want medical science to say out loud, you are well. Amen? I know what I believe in my heart. I know what I believe in my body. I know what I have confessed and declared the word to be. And so, uh, but there's something about when, when you're not just declaring things in faith, but all of a sudden, like in Hebrews chapter 11, you see things happen because of your faith. So in the midst of all of this, I asked Dr. Zangar, I said, Doc, oh, so he said, um, he went through all my tests and he said, man, it looks awesome. He said, it is crazy that they want to try to charge you 9,500 every 21 days for a drug. He said, by the numbers I'm seeing, you don't need that drug anymore. He said, is it okay if you don't go back on that Kamalus? I said, I don't know about you, Doc. It's okay with me. Because that particular uh, chemo that I was on at night was the one that caused me to have a lot of uh, fatigue in the afternoon, shake. Sometimes you could hear it while I was preaching in my voice. It would rattle a little bit, and I would get chills, and I'd hear sounds in my ears. And so since I came off of that almost three months ago now, um, only one afternoon have I struggled with a little bit of fatigue in three months, whereas I was having it three to four days a week, every single week. So I am very thankful uh, for that. And so he said, let's come off of that, keep you off of that, and uh, we're just going to keep monitoring the numbers. And as you know, my last M-spike count was down to 0 0.10. And uh, so I had... I had one this week, and next week I'm waiting to get results, and I'm believing it's going to be under that 0.1 number and uh, get, getting closer and closer to being uh, at zero. So I asked my doctor, I said, Doc, I'm ready to get back into some of the things that I couldn't do for a while, which is missions. And so I said, uh, I'm planning on going to Honduras in a couple of weeks, and then in May we're going to Cuba. 
uh, for a week, and then I have other trips that uh, the Lord has begun to stir in my heart. And Doc looks at me, and he leans back in his chair, and he looks at Suzanne, and he goes, why not? Why not? Now, he said why not to us on several occasions, and, uh, but he was so absolutely um, settled that he made that statement, why not? And that began to resonate in my spirit, the why not for all of us, not just for me. Every time I talk about my journey, I try very much to make sure I understand everybody in this room is going through some kind of journey yourself. Everybody. Whether it's difficulty in marriage, whether it's you have your own health issue, whether you've lost someone that you loved too early in life and you struggle with that, you struggle with the questions of it, whether you have unsaved children that, that you're believing God for or an unsaved parent, Whatever you're going through, your journey is real. And we as believers have been graced to grab hold of the faith, that firm foundation we sang about a while ago, firm foundational faith that changes our life and impacts people around us. We're called to impact the world that we live in. No matter what our struggle is, no matter what our battle is, this week on top of all those other things I shared that we as a people this week went through, I also uh, picked up my brother Jim and we drove down to Winter Haven, my hometown. Really weird to drive back to a place where you were raised and doesn't feel like home because it's not. But uh, we went to visit my last living older relative, my mom's baby sister, uh, who was 94 years old, and um, we walked in the room. My cousin was there and her husband, and, and my aunt was uh, asleep, and uh, my cousin said, I'm sorry y'all drove all this way. You probably, she's probably not going to wake up. We can't hardly ever get her to wake up, and, and uh, so we grabbed Aunt Evelyn's foot, and we shook it, my brother and I, and said, Aunt Evelyn, wake up, and man, her eyes popped open. <laughs> And she looked at my brother Jim, and she looked at me, and then she looked at him, she looked at me, and she smiled real big, and she said, as she pointed to me, the preacher. <laughs> and then she pointed to my brother who does uh, renovation work, and he says, the hammer. <laughs> the preacher and the hammer had come to see her. For an hour and a half, my aunt's sat there, big, we were taking pictures of her, and she's like, oh, don't show this ugly picture. Look at my hair. It's all messed up. She's 94 years old. And I said, Aunt Evelyn, I'm going to show this picture everywhere I go. And she sticks her hand over her face, and she starts, oh, no, don't do that. I'm so ugly. I said, no, you're beautiful. She doesn't have much longer in this world. But I love my aunt's faith. I love that she loved Jesus for so long, that she had an impact in my life. And I said, Aunt Evelyn, are you going to be here in August for your 95th birthday? And she shook her head. She said, oh, no, and tears just filled her eyes. She said, I want to be with Jesus. 
And then she said, I want to be, I, I want my mama to hug me. <laughs> She's 94 years old. She hadn't seen her mama in 50 years. But a longing. That's that joy that we have as believers. We're not living just to get through today. We're living with the blessed hope of the resurrection. That all those that we love that have gone before us. Come on, somebody. It's going to be a whole lot of embracing and hugging and snotty noses and runny eyes. I believe when we get to heaven, then Jesus is just going to wipe them all up, just clean them up. Just give a spiritual heavenly Kleenex and everybody's going to blow at once and the tears are going to be gone. But the joy. So why not believe God's word for you? No matter what you're going through, no matter what your struggle is, yesterday um, after the wedding, and it was so sweet, and there was just such a presence of the Lord in this place, and Miss Alice looked so beautiful, and, and um, Patsy Howard came up uh, to me at the reception, and she said, Pastor, it is so wonderful to gather in our building to celebrate something so beautiful instead of mourn the loss of a loved one. We do mourn, but as I've said so many times, we don't mourn like unbelievers. We mourn because we hurt. Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus. Come on. And he's, he knows he's about to raise him from the dead. And yet, it says he wept. What did he weep for? He, he wept when he saw the pain of Mary and Martha and the friends that had loved Lazarus. And he had loved Lazarus. And he knew he'd bring him out of the grave. But there's something when we hurt. And it's okay to hurt. Someone told me years ago that had lost a, a child that, that the church they were a part of, they were basically commanded not to grieve. And I'm thinking that's the dumbest thing Anybody could ever tell anybody. Because when you hurt, you grieve. But we grieve as those that have a hope. Amen? You know, it's just like, I've never denied that cancer was in my body. I just don't claim it as mine. Amen? You got issues in your life. You need to be careful how you speak the word. Because it, without knowing it, too many people speak the word. They embrace what they're going through. They embrace their cancer. They embrace their heartache. They embrace their bad marriage. They embrace uh, bad finances. They embrace that their children are never going to be saved. They embrace things that we should never embrace. Because we're people of faith. And I don't think you could ever ever in a lifetime preach too much on faith because it's the one thing the enemy wants to rob you of. More than your marriage, more than your children, more than anything else, if he can get you to doubt that God is good. Can I tell you, in the midst of some of the... Suzanne commented to me when we flew into Little Rock the next day, uh, we have this favorite restaurant in Little Rock. It's called Faded Rose. And the owner and Suzanne, Suzanne grew up just a couple of blocks from where this guy lived in New Orleans. And he moved to Little Rock years ago, him and his family. 
and they opened this New Orleans restaurant. So man, they literally shipped their bread in from New Orleans every week. Fly it in. Come on, somebody. That's when you know that there's only bread that you can get in New Orleans because it has something to do with their stinky water or something. I don't, I don't know. But, <laughs> but man, you can't, you, can't, Matt, you can't fake New Orleans bread. And uh, they got shrimp etouffee. They got crawfish. They got oysters. They got fried shrimp. They, they got every imaginable jambalaya, red beans and rice. And the first time we were there was on a... Uh, Thursday afternoon, and on Thursdays, Wednesday or Thursday, one of those days, uh, they would start the crawfish boil, and at 4 o'clock, they would serve crawfish until they run out. And so we were there one afternoon, it was about 2.30, and the waitress uh, had found out that Suzanne was from New Orleans, and so all of a sudden, this older gentleman comes busting out the door, and there's a bunch of people all sitting out on the patio, and he says, who's from New Orleans? And so Suzanne, you know, raises her hand at him and, and uh, they start talking and I just keep eating. And her food's just sitting there getting cold, the whole plate. I mean, 20 minutes, they just talking about everything, about New Orleans and food and everything. And, and uh, so I finished my warm food and, and when he walked away, she started eating her cold food. Uh, but then within a few minutes, uh, he comes from the back and he's got this big platter, and it's just covered with uh, bo boiled crawfish, which I do not do that whole thing. <laughs> Man, you should have seen my wife. You'd have thought somebody gave her a million dollars. She lit up. She went to twisting and pulling and poking and toking and putting her fingernail in there and getting all the goosey. Ugh. Whenever she eats that stuff, I say, baby, you got to go brush your teeth before I'm going to kiss you, because I'm not kissing that stuff. But she was so happy because of the joy of something God created for her, <laughs> for us, <laughs> the joy of the goodness of God. So why not believe his word? Why not learn how to grab hold of faith? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 and 7 says this. So we are always, so we are always of good courage. How, how are you always of good courage? Not because you look at what's going on in the natural, but because you believe for what God says. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And then lastly, I'm going to close here in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 11, the whole chapter, they have it up there. I forget, there's either 16 or 18 times in the 40 verses of Hebrews chapter 11 where the sentence, the paragraph starts. Anybody know what it says? By faith. By faith. And of course, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that's so powerful because from verse 1, if you go all the way down to the end, the writer of Hebrews is saying that 
all of these that he named, none of them fully received their inheritance on the earth because the Lord is waiting until all of his children receive the fullness of what he's called us into, what he's promised us. But in the midst of it, he makes this statement by faith. What are you going through right now in your life that requires faith? What are you going through that maybe no one else that even knows you knows, but you know? And there's something that causes us to hunker down in our faith and say, no matter what it looks in the natural, I believe God's word. Now hear me concerning my journey. I'm not there yet, but I'm closer than when I started. And my faith does not waver in what I believe is the word of the Lord. I believe that I'm healed. I believe that I'm whole. Same way I believe this morning, my salvation is not based on anything I feel, sense, see, hear. My faith is based on the goodness of God through the grace of Jesus Christ that's been poured out. So even though I can't see my salvation, I can't see at times my healing either except for what God's Word says. So why not stir yourself to believe that everything that the Lord has spoken to you, you can say yes and amen to. That you, you can see yourself declaring, by faith, Howard. By faith, Bert. By faith, John. By faith, Jennifer. By faith, Sarah. By faith, George. Whatever is that you're going through in your life. Begin to train yourself to believe and speak that your circumstance will not dictate how you walk out your faith. Because sometimes your circumstances don't line up. Sometimes what you're declaring in the natural doesn't look like it's possible. But we do not live by sight. We live by faith. By faith, we understand. By faith, I make a decision. By faith, I walk out this trial that I'm in. You say, well, Pastor, what happens if I don't get the answer I want? You keep standing. And when you've done all you know how to do to stand, what do you do? Continue to stand firm. Because it's not based on what you see. And in the end, we can trust God with our lives, with our purpose, with our destiny, with our future, with our children, with our marriage, with our finances, with our health, and ultimately with our eternity. Because God is faithful. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by, so, by such a great cloud of witnesses, listen to this, and I close, let us also lay aside 
every weight of unbelief. Every sin which tries to cling closely to us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So why not live in faith? Why, why not believe for the unbelievable? Because God put it in your heart to believe for. Amen? Now, I'm going to take a couple of minutes and do a different kind of ministry. I'm not going to call the ministry team up here this morning. During worship, I felt compelled to do this. So with every head up and every eye open and everybody looking around. <laughs> if you are right now in your life, in a place where you're having to stand in faith for something, I want you to stand to your feet. Now, don't stand because anybody else stands. Stand because you are believing for something in faith. And if you're at a place where there's nothing of significance happening in your life, I want to encourage you in this. We are commanded to live by faith. So sometimes we think, wow, I'm finally got to that place where there's nothing significant I'm having to believe for. Oh, get ready. Because <laughs> it's coming. But the good news is, is that if we will, even as Jesus was asked, Lord, how do we do this or what do we do? Jesus gives the answer. And then the response is, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to believe. Help me to have faith. And so this morning, for all of you that are standing, I want to stretch my hands over you and pray a prayer of faith and release with you the strength and the grace to believe the Father no matter what it looks like in the natural. Amen? That you're going to believe God. And if you need to pray while I'm praying and say, Lord, help my unbelief. There have been times in this journey I'm walking in that I've had to say, Lord, I believe your word, but man, I am so tired of feeling this way. It's okay to be honest with God. It's okay. You don't have to lie. I've never said once I'm not battling cancer, but I do say cancer is not mine. I reject it. I don't claim it. I quit going to a support group because everything is about we're all together because we're all multiple my love. We're multiple my we we eat we got to do our food based on we're mo and I'm like oh I can't deal with that because I, I don't want to go in there and be preachy but I don't want that stuff getting inside of me. Amen. There's something you're going through right now. You want to make sure that your confession lines up with the word of the Lord. We're not name it, claim it, framing it. We're stepping in faith, believing that whatever it is I'm going through, God's word is more powerful. Amen? So if you will, just lift up your hands like this. Receive, Father, in the name of Jesus right now. I stretch my hands over this incredible people that you have blessed Suzanne and I with. A family of believers that love you. And so many, Father, 75% of us standing in this room because we're going through things that require faith. We're going through things, Lord, that we're having to stand for. Some nobody knows about, but each individual, some families know about, some husbands and wives know about. But Father, 
wherever they are on their journey and whatever they're going through. I just declare right now that doubt, fear, and unbelief have no place in their life in the name of Jesus Christ and that they are infused with the gift of faith, Lord, that will begin to stir them to believe for that which, Father, you have promised in their lives. So in the name of Jesus, I just stretch my hand and declare your blessing, Father, across this congregation to those that are watching online this morning, Father, that we will be uh, remindful of your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your love, your kindness in our lives, and that we will walk out and declare, why not, why not believe? For that which the Lord has promised. And I declare that as we declare that, Father, that that faith will rise up in each of us. And we will believe the report of the Lord over any other report. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says a big amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.